Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. It's over. I think it's done. I'm actually write a real revenge quiz for you, you know? Well, I mean, you've won on darts, one on hurling, you one on football. You're the loser I've ever seen. Shams. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Board Gosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. Now, you're very welcome along. We have been recommissioned for season three. It is the Hurling Pod. It is with thanks to Borgosh Energy, who are the proud sponsors of the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship. Delighted to say, first of all, before we do the kind of few bits and pieces, terms and conditions we have to do in a second, Paul Murphy, welcome back for season three. Thanks very much, Will. James Skelly, you're always welcome. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Why haven't you worked back for season Why three? Did you, when did you change the how are you welcome to <laughs> tone completely changed there? You're always welcome, James. What's that about? It's a new leaf for this year. I'm going to try and be nice oh. and then we'll see, you know. See here oh. we go. Jeez, yeah. you're always nice, Will. It's actually, it's usually separating the two of us. Is the, yeah, yeah. Is the well, I, I made the statement last year that I'm going to try and kind of refrain from the level of language I use because I was on a warning from my mother. This year, I'm just going to go, look, I'm not going to make any resolutions. I'm just going to go for it. Whatever comes, comes. <laughs> How much ended up in the swear jar in the end? Uh, we're going to Tenerife on the 50th of February. All And you're not sending a three-star by the sounds of it either. So, mm. My wife, my wife uh, picked, picked the venue, so yeah. Very nice. Okay. She, pick, she pick, I pay. Sorry, no. <laughs> That's fair enough. The system works. Um, the family get a nice trip. But terms and conditions, the reason I bring these up, the bit of housekeeping before we start, is every question I got when I said we were coming back. Well, first of all, we fielded for quite some time. People going, why aren't you coming back? Why are you guys on a, a break? We're a bit like the NFL. We kind of go at the end of the championship season. We take a bit of a break. We make sure you want us to come back before we come back. And then we got the guys signed up for season three. I was very close to going, let's actually sit down and record a pod after the All-Ireland Club semi-finals because they were just so good back in early December. But we will chat about them a little bit and talk about the final this coming weekend on this pod. But the main question I've received every time that I've broached the idea of the pod coming back for a third season is everybody saying, well, does that mean that's behind the paywall? Do I need to be an off-the-ball member in order to access it? What's happening, etc., etc.? So what's going to happen is you're getting a bit of extra value this year. So every Monday, there's going to be a free pod somewhere in the range of around about half an hour, depending on where we go on the kind of main topic of the week or reaction to what's happened on the weekend before. If you go to offtheball.com forward slash join and you become a member, you get a longer, perhaps more free form, probably more rambling, probably Father Ted references, maybe stories from the lad dishing some dirt on players that they would have played against or with over the years in the second podcast, which is going to be available every Thursday. Now, my recommendation would be that if you're going to become a member, you got to make a decision first on where you want to listen or watch. Because if you sign up, and all the details are on offtheball.com forward slash join, if you want to listen on Spotify or on Apple, I would suggest you sign up on those formats. If you want to listen on the Off The Ball app, where there's offers all the time on membership, go along and sign up there. But you can't move around your subscription, so you have to make a decision as to where you want to subscribe. You'll get all the Off The Ball content. You'll get Golf Weekly every week. You'll get every podcast that's produced by Off The Ball Breakfast and by The PM Show. You'll get the football pod. You'll get us. You'll get all of it. I don't even need to do the hard selling. You'll get every single podcast that Off The Ball create every week. Now, if you want to watch us and... We seem to have quite the audience that want to watch us on YouTube. You'll get the main podcast every Monday at 10 p.m. for free. You don't have to be a member or signed up in order to get that. So that first 35 minutes is entirely gratis on us. 
the second podcast which again is going to be the second podcast of the week will drop on Thursday you'll need to be a member in order to watch that now my recommendation would be if you don't like listening to us and you prefer to view best thing to do is sign up on the YouTube again on the Off The Ball YouTube you'll see the details about joining and becoming a member you can watch all of Off The Ball's content there including our Thursday podcast but make a decision on where you want to sign up before you do so so that's the member side to things this is the main pod. I'm not going to use any more of your 35 minutes to explain, but hopefully uh, that makes it very clear. So every Monday, around about 7 o'clock, you're going to get the audio podcast, and then Thursday you'll get the bonus podcast, which is for members only, where we'll take your questions. I'm hoping we can kind of make it a bit more interactive as the season goes on, and we will look and see. I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do around the live pods and the reaction that we did last year, but maybe we'll shift the Monday pod back to a Sunday night from time to time as well. So that's the full explanation as to what's going down here. Lads, there's lots for us to talk about. But first of all, Paul Murphy, how was your off-season while we were away? What did you get up to? Um, what did I get up to? When did we finish? July. July. Um, I think the last episode was, yeah, I think the first week of August or that kind of territory. Yeah. So I suppose from a hurling point of view, we got relegated with the club. So that's probably the most significant one. So we're back doing intermediate this year. What did I get up to? Not as many holidays. You'd be surprised to hear, actually. I usually... Use them all up during the usually, series, of course. Yeah, just uh, yes. almost... It's almost a point of annoyance for Schettel nearly at this stage. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I suppose, look, just really probably took it easy now for, for the winter. Um, bit of hurling. We, we stayed up in the football, thankfully. Um, but uh, pretty much all quiet after that. Yourself, Skehill. I'll, I'll send it across the scale from here. Mm. <laughs> Received. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get quite relegated. We got beaten by Thomas's in the, the quarterfinal. Uh, so the year didn't go as planned, obviously. But look, obviously bet by a very good team. Um, and beyond that, then, uh, what else did we do? Oh, yeah, had a baby. Yeah, in yeah, August, actually, yeah. yeah. That's probably the, sorry. I second that point. First. Second point. Yeah, I should say that first, shouldn't I? <laughs> That's yeah, another girl. Um, and then just roll into Christmas. That's the size of it. All is quiet. Yeah. I was going to say I missed you, but I kind of didn't. We were in the <laughs> WhatsApp. To be I fair, need like, I need a break. No, I need, I need we didn't have much FaceTime, but we were in the WhatsApp. To be fair, yeah. yeah. The, the odd controversial thing that might arise it stoked the fire of the WhatsApp. Probably should have archived the group for a little while, and then kind of you know absence would make the heart grow fonder and then you come back for this first pod mad to go Murphy I've got all this news we need to talk about what's yeah. happened over the Christmas yeah, period yeah. Um, but yeah your family are going to be delighted first thing you've done there Scale is you prioritised the club action over your new arrival so congrats on that yeah and I don't have an excuse for that I don't have a, just <laughs> the most to some people the most important thing came to my brain first <laughs> I have this grand it's fine yeah yeah oh, so come here, does that mean that Grace is going to hear this if she's not a subscriber, the first 35 minutes? Yeah, she will, yeah. She will, that, yeah. That's, why we, that's why we put it in here. I could have had to buy the paywall, actually. If you're any way clever there now, you would have used the paywall to your I should have held it. I should have held it. I should have held it for minute 36. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then she wouldn't give out to me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might leave Bill Belichick. We'll see if he gets inside the first kind of 40 minutes or so of his chatting mm-hmm. and uh, what's happened there with the end of his reign. But anyway, uh, getting on to the hurling, Murph. You've got to see O'Loughlin Gales firsthand this year. Um, plenty of drama and getting to this All-Ireland final at Crow Park at the weekend so they won the Kilkenny final you were commenting on it for Clubber by a single point uh, mm. beating the reigning All-Ireland champions Ballahill Shamrocks in order to get out of the county uh, was a little bit more straightforward in a couple of the games but the Leinster final proved to be a nail-biter just about got out against Nafina by a point in the end and then despite going eight points down at a stage against Cushendall in that semi-final in Navin again they found a way to win and they came through by a point so their fans are getting plenty of value for the games they're going to this year on this run to the All-Ireland Final 
Yeah, they are. Um, and it is, you, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of what people are pointing out about Lachlan's. Like a lot of people are maybe looking at it from the point of view that they're cutting it fine in a few of the games. Um, but nevertheless, when you do that enough times, you kind of have to see that the resilience that's in that team, that, you know, whatever the situation unfolds in front of them, they find an answer for it. Like, first of all, the county final against Balhale, you know, the, the last passage of play in that was just so tense. It was a great game. Lachlan's... I remember meeting people going in the gate into that game and saying, would you give us a chance? Like, you know, would, would you give a Lachlan's a chance today just because they were facing Ballahale, who, you know, in finals are just such a tough team. Um, and Lachlan's performed. I mean, they came out of the traps that day really well and, you know, it really did save their best performance to that date in the season for Ballahale, which is the best the Lachlan's could have hoped for. Um, you know, when you go into Leinster then, uh, they played Mount Leinster Rangers in the first game after county final, and there is that bit of a hangover to be aware of also that after you come out of your own county final. They were up by, I think, about nine points at half time and kind of let Mount Leinster into it. Now, in fairness, Mount Leinster Rangers, they missed a lot of chances in the first half that they would have been disappointed with, but nevertheless came back at uh, Lachlan's. Um, so there's been a few occasions there where Lachlan's, I suppose, will look at, you know, maybe we let a team come back at us, Kilomer Kalahi as well. You know, maybe we let them come back at us when we've, we've, we've made a lead. Um, but nevertheless, when the pressure was put on them, they really do perform. Um, again, Nafina in the Leinster final, you know, great performance, a real nail-biter of a game. And when they needed scores, and particularly where you see the likes of Paddy Deegan coming up, I think in that game, did he get five points from centre-back from play? You know, just huge. Um, they're getting huge performance out of their main players. But you also have the likes of, you know, Luke Hogan as well, who who was on against Cushion Dahl. Great catch for the goal and really is a big physical impression. They play him on the on the wing or they play him in at full forward. You have other players con- contributing as well. Connor Heary has been, has really, I suppose, flourished once they got into the All-Ireland series as well. Another player who's in with the panel with Kilkenny. So they really do have, you know, a really strong group of players. We played them this year and they are just an excellent team in fairness to them. Um, but again, like, you know, they're facing, it's, it's a really finely balanced All-Ireland final. Um, you know, Thomas's are a hugely physical team. We saw it in the first game, or we saw it in the game against Ballygunner. And I think for many years now, this is probably the hardest one to call, really, from what I can see. Um, the one thing that definitely stands so Lachlan's is when they've been put under pressure this year, regardless of what way the game has went up to that, that, that stage, they've shut out the game the way they needed to just get a score whatever way they need to and they close out games so look I mean it's uh, I, I live up in the parish of Lachlan's here at the moment and there's there's you know you can imagine there's flags everywhere there's bunting up they're really looking forward to it um, it's a good while since they're in one as well so you know there really are a good buzz around the place at the moment um, but nevertheless they, they'll be you know they, they won't be um, I suppose going into this game uncertain about the challenge that's in front of them it's a huge challenge with this Thomas's team Mm, I couldn't have said this about nice where you've got the first episode back, one lad from Kilkenny, one lad from Galway. Kilkenny and Galway champions up against each other in All-Ireland finals. So, Scale, that's the kind of O'Loch and Gale's perspective on their run through to this final. I will put my hands up and be one of the first to say I didn't expect St. Thomas's to beat Ballygunner because Ballygunner's form was so good. Winning by an average of 13 points uh, between the final and Clare in their first two games in the Munster Championship. It seemed like they were timing their run perfectly. They were in flying form, um, scoring big, very, very impressive against the Pearsick in the semi final before they, uh, sorry, in the Munster final before they came through to this All Ireland semi. And then St. Thomas's produce an incredible performance. I know they're like, been at this for so long now, six in a row in Galway, eight since 2012. So we, we know their pedigree. 
But given that they hadn't hurled all that well the year before against Dunloy, this was some statement performance. And I suppose they had weeks to prepare for it from Galway, getting ready for an All-Ireland semi-final. But what a good showing from St. Thomas's to beat a Ballygunner team who I would say most of the country probably fancy to be going up the steps in Crow Park next week. Well, I think you said it actually, Will, from a national perspective, I don't think many people would have backed Thomas's at all because we were we probably had, a, you know, Ballygunner had, had shown exhibition-style hurling you know, against Clonlara and then really ground out a good victory away, you could say, with, with, with Napiersig, you know. So it's not as if they weren't, uh, they didn't come through tested. Whereas the Galway champions, there's always that kind of, you know, fear there'll be a bit of a lull period whereby we come straight out of Galway into, into a semi-final and going up against a team as, uh, you know, as strong as Bally Gunner. Questions were asked, obviously, of course, to say, could, could they do it? And, you know, I don't think anyone outside of Galway and even some in Galway would have, would have backed Bally Gunner. Um, I went to the game with, uh, with Jamie Jace and I have to say that, Probably the game itself is as good a game I've ever seen live ever, either be county yeah. or club. Um, it was just fabulous, and I, you got—it's uh, just it's the old phrase: you have to be there. It, it was a great kind of occasion. Like there was great energy in the crowd, and you know, freezing cold conditions, dark night, Saturday evening. You know, not not not, not the nicest conditions for a player, but that didn't stop uh, what was a fabulous game of hurling. And I, look at it, it had everything. And there was two or three times I thought Thomas's were we're going to get beaten at top belly gun or get run them. But they just have this knack of staying within touch and distance. You know, they're, they're a team that's never beaten, obviously. Uh, staying within touch and distance and just getting vital scores and winning big moments. So like you had Finton at the back, Finton Burke, he was able to secure primary possession time and time again, come out and win those frees we often see where the high tackles. Then the ball goes up to the likes of Conor Cooney. He wins his own frees and puts them over. And like Parik Mahoney, as good a player as he is, you know, he missed a couple of frees, whereas Connor didn't. You know, big moments. And then when it came to extra time, I actually, hand in heart, I felt Thomas's known them personally had better strikers when you have Aina, Connor, Finchin, you know, Darryl Burke, all those guys that I've, I've faced numerous times. These guys are well able to, to strike, you know, the sweetest of balls. And you know, that's what it came down to. Truthfully speaking, Ballygunner just did, they didn't have the strikers. And there were some decisions that the Ballygunner management made at the time that I was really questioning, like, oh, you know, how, you know, taking off, um, it was a Fitzgerald the corner forward. Did he get, was a Fitzgerald, isn't it? Yeah. I think it was corner. He got one four, like they took him off, let's say. He was going to be a striker. The same with Des. I was thinking that's probably a decision that was, was questionable. But Thomas is this, this is probably a year whereby, you know, Thomas has won, as I said, eight county titles in, in 10 or 11 years. And, they probably feel, I get the feeling that, that they feel they don't have, you know, nearly the respect that they deserve coming out of Galway because they haven't won as many national titles. Now, that coincided with coming up against great teams like Belly Hill, you know, and Belly Gunner who've won their own titles. So, I think this year is kind of, I wouldn't I wouldn't say call it a coming of age time, but this is probably, you get the sense that enough is enough now. This is the one that they have to win. You know, they ha- mm. This one has to be won, as simple as that. And I think the route to the final suits them lovely. Um, that they had an extremely hard test in Ballygunner. They came over that hard test when there was loads of doubters and they're going into a game now that, that they're, I'd say they're fancied. And I, I have to say, like, it's not quite as daunting looking at Lachlan Gales. I don't, I don't mean that disrespectfully as it is looking at Ballyhale. Ballyhale have, have carried this history behind them for years, winning them every, you know, every third year, you could say, at this stage. And so if you're going to face them, having, you know, played Ballyhale in their previous Ireland final and they got, you know, trounced fair as fair, you'd say that, you know, that there's, there's it's a different task at hand entirely. But with this with this game, I think it's finally balanced. I it's very hard to call it because you look at the the, the O'Loughlin Gales backs with obviously Mikey Butler, who other Paddy Deegan, and then you look at the forwards and Thomas's with Connor Cooney, James Regan, Ina Burke, etc. And you're going, this is a great matchup. It's a super matchup. So I think it'll come down to the wire. There's no clear front runner, if you ask me. I hopefully the weather will be good, the pitch will be nice, so we'll be treated to a, a great game of hurling to get the year going. 
Mm. I think in my head I had them the wrong way around. So it was Napiersig first, then it was Clonlara in the Munster yeah. final. But yeah. Ballygunner Bally were, were convincing along the way in their provincial championship and there was no sign of any hangover after their break from Waterford. So it looked like they were kind of on the march again. And I suppose, understandably, in a lot of people's minds, um, Paul, as Skellis just pointed out there, once Ballyhale were knocked out it probably opens the door for every other team. It wouldn't just be Ballygunner who'd be looking at, you know, potentially going on to win an All-Ireland series. Because Balhale have been so consistent, you know, one defeat in the last, well, two defeats in the last 40-odd matches they've had, and one was a last-minute goal, and one was a last-gas point. Mm. They do kind of carry that intimidation factor, don't they? They do, of course. I mean, they nearly absorb a lot of the attention from the other teams just by nature of the fact that they're, you know, tried and tested. You go back and you think of, like, Portumna back in the 2000s as well, like, you know, when they were at the peak and they were consistently, kind of touching on what Skettle's saying there, you know, when you're consistently kind of going making finals, um, you kind of, it, it does change the dynamic of how you're perceived. And, like, if you win enough of them or you're constantly there, you're obviously going to make yourself a favourite, you know, because you obviously have a crop of players that are, you know, consistently competing over five, six, seven years. You're going to just inherit the, 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 the mantle of favourites. The fact that Ballygunner had gone and done something that, you know, it's a long time since another team has done is go and beat Ballyhale in Crow Park in the Club All-Ireland final was an enormous achievement. So I don't think... It wasn't ill-deserved that Ballygunner had that. I mean, they were Club All-Ireland champions from a few years ago. So once Ballyhale were out, obviously everybody's going to look to Ballygunner. And when you look at the calibre of players, I mean, Ballygunner would be a decent inter-county team. Like, you know, I mean, they have such a calibre of players. And it's funny when you even look at it, like Saparic Mahoney and these lads, you're looking at them going, these boys are, would well still be able to be hurling with Waterford. Like, you know, when they, how good they are playing. You're saying that for these lads to be playing focused, solely on club hurling that's also an enormous benefit so look that Ballygunner team was you know just and, and we saw them in Munster as well like how impressive they were they were really just you know suffocating teams really I mean as good as teams were putting it up to them over the 60 minutes Ballygunner were just far more impressive so I mean when we saw that match it was an incredible match between Thomas's and Ballygunner really was and it was just so exciting but the one thing that impressed me so much was how Thomas's were able to physically impose themselves on Ballygunner in the first 10 or 15 minutes. I mean, that's a very hard thing to do because Ballygunner can move the ball so well and they themselves are a very physical team. But Thomas's were just able to hit them and they closed out and even turned over a few. I think there was one big kind of free out there in the first 10 minutes where Thomas's were just hitting the forwards, hitting the forwards that were coming through from Ballygunner and eventually the ball was overcarried in a free out. And that to me said that no more than like to O'Loughlin's against Ballyhale in the county final, they came out of the traps which they needed to do. If they didn't do that in the first 10 or 15 minutes, we probably would have seen the likes of Ballyhale going on win the county final and Ballygunner win the, win the All-Ireland semi-final because every minute against those two teams in particular is vital if you're actually going to beat them. Mm. I'm intrigued to see what happens, Skell, with this. Probably the two players who will wear 11 and 6 for their respective teams at the weekend. So Conor Cooney is likely to be named centre-half forward. Paddy Deegan is going to be at 6. Paddy Deegan loves to come out and hurl. And they've got such good players' mind in the house, as you already mentioned in the full-back line, that generally he's able to kind of break up and be a player who carries the ball forward for them as well. Like, will Deegan end up going on Cooney or how do you see it going this weekend? You see, Cooney predominantly plays in the in the, in the half-forward lane. He, he likes to drop off at touch two and you know, mm. Thomas is a very good um, at, at finding him. So like, teams, every team in Galway has tried to nullify Conor Cooney and it just, just doesn't work. He's been by... He's been by far the best club hurler in Galway. I mean, by a stretch, though, by a big margin in the last uh, six or seven years. He's been awesome. You know, and he produces the goods. That's why there's such, I suppose, consternation and confusion amongst the Galway public when he plays for Galway. They just didn't produce the performances that, we're, that like, we know 
he's capable of like local knowledge we know what he can do so but when he puts on Thomas's shirt it's like a different animal com- comes alive so he will situate himself uh, all the way across 10, 11, 12 and like he has open movement too it's kind of horses for courses like if Thomas is under a bit of pressure you'll see Connor come to the you know come to the half forward line if they have strong conditions with Breeze he might go into the full forward line with a two man you know and, and cause a bit of damage in there but I think for most of the game, because it's going to be a tight, a tight contest in Crow Park, long pitch, you'll see him on the half-forward line as a primary puck-out target, where I guarantee you there'll be 60-70% of the puck-outs <clears throat> go to him. And I'd be amazed if Perry Deegan doesn't pick him up. And I, I'd also be amazed if Perry Deegan doesn't ask questions. Like, the last time I saw Perry Deegan in Crow Park was obviously the Leinster final. He popped up with, what, five or six points, as you said, Murph? You know, so, like, he's amazing. He's a major threat. You know, yeah. he, he, he kind of... I know people would associate the Declan Hannon role with getting forward, but Perry Deegan really you know, kind of made it his own in, in, on the club status with what he did in the Leinster final. So he will try to occupy Conor Cooney on a defensive, defensive front too. Because, like, I don't think both teams are blessed with blistering pace. They're just, they've got a, a very, very high work rate, like the, the ability to have huge volume. So Murph made a good point about the Thomases and Ballygunner, um, how they're able to physically impose themselves. If you watch Ballygunner with the Piercy and Clonlara, they just couldn't lay a finger on them. They were moving the ball so quick that there was kind of champagne horn, if you like, but Thomas has managed to really, you know, get in their face. And I remember the instant you, you, you probably referenced Murph, whereby there was a turnover in the first half. It ended up being a Thomas sideline where they mm. blocked down Desi and then the hooks and it ended up being... Yeah, I think that was it. Like, you wouldn't class it as a critical moment by any means, but you just it's kind of justification for your effort that you know it can be done. And once mm-hmm. you know it can be done, you keep doing it, you know. And that, that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. So I, I don't think... Um, like I don't think you'll see Connor anywhere further back to midfield unless from a defensive pr- perspective. So it'll be look, it'll be a mouthwater matchup, you know. And it's like people, players seem to raise their game. It obviously means more for when you have a club jersey on than a county jersey. So that's going to be a great battle. Mm. Like Murphy would think that O'Loch and Gales will try and push St. Thomas's back with their wing backs and with Deegan coming forward as well. That's one of the things O'Loch and Gales have done really well. I've seen them a few times this year. Their two wing backs also bomb forward constantly as well. And their threats for scores, as we saw in that semi-final against Cushendall as well. Yeah, absolutely. And they have two wing backs there that you know, will pop up a two or three points in a game and, and you know, generally do and even particularly against the Lachlan's Cush, or against Ballahale, Cush and Dahl, we saw it um, like a lot of people will focus on Paddy, Paddy Deegan against Nafina obviously with the with the five points or whatever it was but, you know, they're, they are capable of scoring um, from, from wing backs flying up. You know, you have the likes of Keen Loy as well in the middle of the field he's your traditional workhorse and that he, you know, gets through a lot of work, breaks up a lot of play you know, Conor Heary is very similar in, in the half forward line. You know, Conor will pop up with maybe one or two points in the game but what he does is he makes the ball stick on that half forward line what you see the likes of Mark Bergen then is drifting across picking up the ball and it allows it anchors that ball at the half forward line like big high balls coming down and gives them a platform to actually go on and attack I mean I know you're saying that we probably want Thomas's to sit back but from seeing O'Loughlin's O'Loughlin's have they've generally went with a full forward line that is Sean Bulger and Owen Wall in the corners with a fairly big full forward then so be it Paddy Butler uh, or be it Luke Hogan so you have your kind of your target man there um, almost doing your Seamus Flanagan type thing where you have a big man there to land the ball in but then you have lightning fellas off the shoulder I mean that's traditional that's what teams want to do but it's what I saw against I suppose Mount Leinster Rangers when O'Loughlin's were able to impose their game on Mount Leinster Rangers they actually brought their, their half forward line out to meet the ball and targeted the corner forwards in they even brought out their full forward and just had the two man full forward line so what I think you'll see O'Loughlin's trying to do is 
they might try and push that. They might try and impose that game for maybe 10 or 15 minutes. But like Thomas's are a clever team. They're also very capable. And when you're clever and capable, you'll be able to reverse that against the Lachlans. And this is why I think it's actually going to be really interesting is both teams are capable of imposing their games. Both teams haven't been flawless in their run to the final either. So there's going to be little kind of, I suppose, cracks will appear in different stages. And it's a case of who's going to expose them. Where a Lachlans will benefit is that if they pull out their half-forward line to come and meet that ball, well, then the half-backs and the full-backs, I mean, a few Huey Lawler and the lads bombing up, they're quite capable of breaking out of the back line and getting the one of those half-forwards or equally just landed into the full-forward line. But if Thomases are in control, they'll be able to sit back, stifle that, and then you're actually relying on your half-back line. Then the Lachlans will be relying on them to kind of maybe run up, pose a threat from the 65 and from out further and make... Thomas's step out in them so like it really is I do think it is going to be a kind of almost like a tennis match here where one team will hold it for 10 or 15 minutes one team might hold it for another 10 or 15 but really I suppose whoever I suppose whoever executes uh, their their game plan for long enough and the reason I say that is because if you had a Ballahale here playing against a team or let's say a Ballygunner playing against a team which sometimes happens in the club championship where a perceived maybe weaker team gets through and then they're in Crow Park and they get exposed to an extent because Crow Park will expose uh, a big physical team who's well capable of hurling against maybe a team who who grounded out in the club championship. What we have here is two teams who are actually really well matched, who again, like I said, haven't been flawless, but have been excellent at, at times throughout the championship. So trying to call where the strengths are is kind of easy, but where, where the cracks are going to show and they're going to be exposed, that's where I think the game is going to be won and lost for either side. Mm. Scal, how impressive is it that David Burke got back as quickly as he did? Because to be able to play a bit of a part in the county final when he came off the bench, to be able to play the last day, to now go into an All-Ireland final, like realistically, when we were talking about that knee injury that he picked up ahead of championship last year, like we were thinking he was going to be sidelined for the best part of a year. And this is a guy who's into his 30s now at this stage as well. But he was obviously massively determined to get back to play for St. Thomas's this season. Yeah, like, I, first of all, getting back from the injury is, is, is very impressive. But to be able to feature for your club and then get up to the level that's required to influence the game is, is more impressive for me because, you know, getting up to match level <clears throat> fitness and sharpness takes takes time. You know, it takes, not, not talking about days, it takes weeks if not months. So how he was able to get up to a level and a pace and a sustainable pace over the whole course of the game, that's that's what I couldn't fathom being, being there looking at him saying like he's surviving. Like rule number one in the game nowadays, if you're in that area of midfield or halfway, is can you survive? And like he survived and, you know, he... Like he wasn't, as, as the word Murphy was, he wasn't flawless by any means, but he was highly productive. You know, highly productive. And there was a stage there where Bally Gunner in the first half got, they got, they got a good run. They got a really good run. They got on top of Thomas's. They, they <clears throat> weathered the storm of the early goal was uh, conceded and they started to get a run against them. And Thomas's couldn't get the puck out going because they're against the breeze. And it was really, there was a pressure situation. And you could visibly see David Burke calling in Shane Cooney, calling in, you know, Connor Cooney and orchestrating things to kind of to restructure. And it worked. You know, it worked. They stifled Bally Gunners, they hidden into half time and went down. I suppose only going into half time, they're only, what, three, I think it was, was it a couple of points to, 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 in arrears? And they're saying that's not a bad job done at all, in fairness, you know, considering like I, I would have considered the breeze that day a minimum five points. So he's like their director general. <clears throat> I've seen it time and time again with Galway. He's the same, he's the same way. Um, and for him coming back for Thomas's, everyone will look at what he does in the ball. But more often than not, you have to look at what he does off the ball, what he's like on the training ground, what he's like in-game, pre-game, at halftime during, during big games, etc. That presence alone is, is is huge for you know, for the rest of the guys in a game of this magnitude. So, first of all, to get him back is huge. To have him you know, in the dressing room was great, but to have him be an influential hurler 
in, in the games is is mind blowing for me and the time he's done it for. Yeah, uh, we've got Finta Burke on the club championship show on off the ball this week as well. So uh, he can tell us firsthand what it was like to be involved in the penalty shootout. And for him, the disappointment of seeing his penalty being saved by Stephen O'Keefe, but his team still coming around and turning the penalty shoot around at uh, that stage. And eventually Evan Duggan hitting the winning penalty to send sure St. Thomas is true. Make sure you ask him, what, what was he doing standing over the ball? Well, I, I we do wonder. We all knew where he was going. We stood over it. <laughs> I, like, I do wonder about some of these selections. You know, sometimes when you see goalkeepers getting up to hit one, or in this case, a full back, you're thinking, should you not go through all of your forwards and your midfielders before um, someone from the other end of the pitch steps up? Well, I think. Well, yeah, well what's that supposed to happen? <laughs> well, no, hold on. You can, you, can, you, can, you can defend that, Murph. But, like, I saw this happen in the, the Women's FAI Cup final as well, where, you know, goalkeeper took the second yeah. penalty. And you're just thinking, surely there are set piece takers on a team who are more used to taking freeze and penalties more regularly. Unless you know that your fullback has got an outrageous puck and that they take penalties, you yeah. would think, Skehel, lads, the other end of the field would be taking them. Well, yeah. 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 Well, I, one thing I would say about Robert. it is, like for Finta Burke, is that one of the things that pops in my head with Finta Burke is that he's an outrageous sideline taker. He's obviously very good at set pieces and like executing them under pressure. Penalties are 50% skill, but also 50% mentality. And I say it from a fellow who's probably useless at penalties. Uh, you could have, out of your six forwards, most, not to say most likely with, with those five teams, or sorry, with those with those teams that five players that are best suited to take the penalty are actually five of the forwards and that the sixth forward isn't. Like you'll often have a centre back who's just an outrageous striker of a ball and who has this kind of a confidence and a swagger to step up. Because at the end of the day, like, you know, you need to step up, strike a penalty, and you know, be calm enough to strike it well, forget what's going on around you and walk away. But you could have a lad who's outrageous at striking the ball. But then when they get up to this situation and there's a huge expectation on them to hang it up in top corner and they blow it out wide, I, would, I, I think the mentality comes into a huge amount. And if you see, you look back at Finton Burke, um, okay, he didn't get a good run last year, but I think it was the year previous. He was getting like two or three scores a game from sidelines. You know, who, so obviously there's a thing there that he is technically, obviously we know he's a very good hurler. But well, also, do you remember well, he did something I've never seen before. He did it in the league game against Limerick, not actually the previous, where he scored a sideline off his left and off his and right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen him do that before. Yeah, yeah. But first of all, to, to bloody well attempt that, right? The only other sport I've seen that in is like, is it Mark Williams when he changes over in snooker? Ronnie Sullivan. Ronnie Sullivan. Yeah. yeah. When, when lads change over, you're like, that's a skill. For a lad to be decent enough to sideline the ball, like, I mean, most players will do it once every so often, but to be consistently good to sideline the ball over the bar, but to do it off both sides is absolutely scandalous. Like, it is outrageous. Like, you know, so my point f- for that would be that he's obviously a fella who's technically very gifted and is a good, like, you know, striker of the ball and makes good connection. So that's the reason I would say that, you know, I can, ju- I would, even without seeing him and training, him would justify his his selection for doing that now. And also, again, I'm a bias because I'm the full back line. But oh, this, is, this is the full back union speaking here is what it is. Like, scale was, back, yeah. Go on. All scale wanted to do was try and set me up to try and slag him off on the show on Wednesday morning. But instead, we've come around to go. Actually, you know what? He's so technically gifted. He should have taken the first penalty. Is the oh, come uh, here. I know scale might have a point here. Go on. You go on. Go on. I, I know Phil. Like, I, I know him personally, but not. I don't know him very well personally. But I can imagine he probably put his hand up to be the first. You know, I'll take one. No problem. Yeah. That's the kind of character is it wouldn't phase yeah. him whatsoever like the days with Galway you don't pre-training you'd be poking around you'd always have lads taking penalties or 21s and yeah you'd have Connor, you'd have Ian you'd have Darabork taking them on you I've never seen Finton take a penalty not, not to memory <laughs> I'm like geez, this is this is a bit surreal but sidelines he's absolutely awesome at them but like like that like I, I watching that game live the, the, the league game against Limerick where he, he cut cut one from either side like I just thought this is madness this is crazy yeah. 
this man is mentally ill because how do you even how do you even chance that like you know yeah, yeah. sure I'll, I'll try this now and then pop yeah. it over <laughs> but ask him yeah. but ask him about his chance uh, just see what he says yeah <laughs> We'll, we'll see what he comes up with I'll, I'll say Scale told me to ask you about it um, but yeah he's going to be with us on Wednesday morning ahead of the finals so the final itself lads uh, before we move away from it how do you see it going Paul what's your, your prediction ahead of this I know everyone hates predictions but how do you fancy it going on Sunday afternoon look genuinely um, very hard one to call the only the only I suppose I, I, I've seen a bit more of the Lachlan's camp, let's say, just from knowing the lads, seeing him around town, chatting to him. There really is a good buzz about it. The two things I would say is that, let's say, from from stuff off the pitch, like Thomas's, I would agree with Skettle, like they, they've been consistently knocking at the doors of Club All-Ireland's and they've been in this a bit more than this generation of Lachlan's lads. And that does hold weight. Like when you're going into this now, they would feel you know, we have a point to prove here, you know, we want to go and take back a trophy and, you know, lay everything to bed. Whereas Lachlan's, uh, would it be 2011 was the last time they were in the Club All-Ireland? Yeah, lost to Claren Bridge that year. Lost to Claren Bridge. Um, But this generation, you know, they've had to compete against Ballahale and things. And, but they may look at this as, right, well, okay, we win this one. There's nothing to say we get out of Kilkenny next year, we win. So we have to take take our opportunity. The one thing I would say with this Lachlan's team is that, you know, they really are enjoying the whole journey up to this Club All-Ireland. I think they've been fairly grounded because, like I said, they haven't been absolutely annihilating teams either. They've been performing really well. They've had tough challenges, which is stand to them. But the one thing I would say for Lachlan is that when that pressure has been put on, I mean, Cushendall went 1-6 to point up after five minutes or ten minutes. They could have collapsed. They didn't. They came back into it. Granted, Cushendall had a few opportunities towards the end maybe to, to eke out a score and bring it to extra time or at least even win the game. Nevertheless, the Lachlan's did what was needed to be done. So just the fact that I've seen a bit more from a Lachlan's, I've seen them under pressure and, you know, I, I've seen that they, they, they do get scores from a wide variety of places. I just see maybe a Lachlan's pipping it. And again, like I say that, it could be by a point. It could be even after extra time. There's nothing in this game, but I just from my bit more knowledge of Lachlan's I'd be saying that I just see them maybe pipping it by a point Skell before I get your prediction on how you think it's going to go at the weekend I mean we had two Kilkenny victories in the intermediate and in the junior finals at the weekend Paul and like neither game was particularly competitive because of how good the two Kilkenny champions were in the game I, Thomastown I thought were just controlling from start to finish they won 223 to 13 points against Castle Lions of Cork and before that game, there was this kind of lovely moment where Tullaher Ross Birkin had all of their players line out effectively at the Hogan stand side where their Kilkenny compatriots were coming out onto the pitch and they basically cheered them on just mm. a few minutes after Ross Birkin had won the junior final where they beat St. Catherine's uh, by 2.21 to one goal in 13. So it was a nice Saturday night for Kilkenny at Crow Park, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was brilliant. Um, and I suppose the, the, the luxury Tullaher and Thomas Stone have is that they're not facing each other next year. One will be senior, one will be intermediate. But it was great. And I suppose it's a great, you know, from a Kilkenny point of view, it was brilliant to see our team's perform at that level at the highest stage like a lot of people in Kilkenny would tell you that the the top from the top team in junior to the bottom team in in senior there's there's not a whole lot really between them and that's genuinely saying that like Tullerher will go into intermediate this year and you know in their mind they'll they'll go hard at an intermediate championship like they they do have a really good team they have a big panel 
Um, and they have a lot of players who are tested, let's say, even at minor. And of course, they have the likes of Wally, um, who's, who's obviously, you know, still playing inter-county. So um, they'll go really hard at that. And Thomas Town have been knocking at the door. They played in, I think it was four county finals before winning this year. Um, you know, so they're, they've been galvanised over the last few years of, you know, just not getting over the line in county finals in Kilkenny. But, you know, once they, once they got over that hurdle this year, which I think a lot of people in Kilkenny were delighted to see them do, um, they just they really just breezed into the Leinster Championship. Their heads were down and they got as far. And you saw the calibre of players they have. Like if you were to turn on that match um the other night and no one told you it was intermediate, you would have thought they were, you know, a senior team from from any county. they and they have a lot of good players. You know, the Donnellys, not just John Donnelly, but you know, you have the two brothers as well. They're also like they 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 really do have a high caliber player. So it was great that to see both teams win, but then also it's a great moment to have one Kilkenny team welcome the other out onto the pitch and, and drive them on. So yeah, look hopefully it'd be great to do a clean sweep next weekend, saying that as a neutral club in Kilkenny. Right, go on, Skell. Give us the fact it's not going to be a clean sweep then. Are you back in St. Thomas's or which way are you going for the senior final? Well, I'm just going to say first uh, that this time next year I hope to see congratulate Murph on Jainsford winning the Intermediate Ireland. It'd be great. It'd be great. I hope you're right. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a junior? Why not add an, add an intermediate? Keep on rocking, yeah, we're afraid. Yeah, yeah, try my best. Um, Thomas is wise. I suppose, Will, I spoke to you probably about a year ago. Um, I think it was probably a precursor to the Dunloy game, Thomas's Dunloy game. And I was kind of had my, uh, I, I backed him heavily. And then I spoke, mm. I spoke to you after, and you asked me who's going to win the Galway County final. And I actually said Lockray, you know, yeah. I think the Thomases were, were on, were on the, the slide and like proven wrong entirely. They actually, they actually, they outperformed this year. They outperformed any, I suppose, last year, the year previous. So they have actually gotten better. They've introduced some extra players into the panel, which is obviously vital. Um, and like that, Murphy, it's very hard for me to actually pinpoint a specific area of weakness that I can say, right, Thomas is go after this X, Y, Z and the Lachlan Gales. It's just, it's just not in it. It's going to come down to, obviously, the, the top six inches, you know. And I, I, I hope for Thomas's sake that everyone locally, like they're saying, this is our time, it's our time. But don't get really, you know, bogged down in that. It's still a job to do. like. And if Thomas just go about their, their, their business like, like they have been doing over the last couple of months, They'll be, I think they'll be fine. You know, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, you have to have your big players play well. So obviously, you're putting pressure on your keeper. You're putting pressure on Finton, Shane Cooney, Conor Cooney. If they don't play well, it's going to be very hard to see how Thomas is get over the line. And the same thing, they'll be they'll be targeting Paddy Deegan. They'll be targeting, you know, Dollar uh, etc. Try to get one over them. So it's a finely balanced game. Um, I hope it's come down to the two teams. I hope there's no issues with referees etc. Because you know, there's mm. games and fine margins that can be. And I would haven't seen Thomas's up close. Similar to you, Murphy, I haven't seen Lachlan's too much. The only thing that would concern me in Lachlan's is the manner in which they've they went down against Cushendall. They seem to be always fighting to get over the line, which is a good a good trait in times. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I know like, what you mean. Yeah, yeah. If Thomas's have a, have this great ability, when they get ahead of you, they keep you down. I, I can't see mm-hmm. if 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 a situation developed whereby Thomas has got you know one six to a point ahead of of Lachlan's, it's very hard for me to see how Lachlan's will, will claw back against against a defensively sound team like Thomas's. So I, I'm I'm just kind of looking at that and going, that's a slight concern. Slight, slight concern. And that seemingly, yes, it's a great trait that they win every game by a point, or Lachlan's, but some, sometimes they say, you know, that has, oh, to yeah. Go, yeah. that has to go against you every now and then. You know what yeah, I mean? You're, playing, you're nearly playing with fire too much if, if you do, yeah. like, you know, if, if sometimes if it's self-inflicted to an extent, that's playing with fire. Yeah. Mm. And like, if, if Thomas has rocked through the semi-final having won by 10 points, you know what I mean? I would be more concerned then. Mm. But like, where, where I am now, having to see how they, they, they basically fought their way through that semi-final against a top-class team. I'm going to side with Thomas here. And I think if you look at the bookies, that I'd imagine that the odds are very, very tight. It's very evenly balanced. Mm. But I'm just going to go with Thomas's same margin as you, Morph. Potentially, we could see a draw in, in, in normal time and a point either way. 
And okay. come here, don't honestly don't discount penalties again, this. Would you have enjoyed penalties, by the way? Not to, to kind of get off yeah. the, the beaten track here, but I love it, yeah, love it. Yeah. Sure, like, like it's, it's great crack, like, do you know what I mean? Have, have you been in penalties? Have you done that yet? Um, not in a championship setting. We've done it in right. bits of tournaments and you know, bits of uh, yeah. like not 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 anything nothing that has carried a great degree of importance to be honest. You know, the last penalty you had we had is in that in that Fedemore tournament down during that tournament during, during the year. Like and it's really yeah. enjoyable. It's really enjoyable because you're watching it on, you know, other sports like soccer, etc. You're saying, geez, I wouldn't mind a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like old lad and sure. The talk and etc. So yeah, it's an enjoyable one. Well, no disrespect to that uh, inter-club tournament, but it's slightly different stakes than a cold night at 10 o'clock in Port Leash in an All-Ireland semi-final in December where, you know, one team is going to Crow Park and one is going home. Or if it was to happen, say, in this All-Ireland final and it could be the deciding factor between who's going up the steps to actually collect the cup. But, like, as a neutral, if I was invested in the club in question, I would hate the penalties. But as a neutral, I absolutely loved watching that penalty shootout scale. Yeah, like, but I, I would class myself as a neutral in that situation too because... Mm. You know, at the end of the day, it was no skin off my back. I, truthfully speaking, as a, as a goal region, I wanted Thomas's to win, you know, mm. for obvious reasons. I'm like, not too far from your home club either, so... Yeah, anyone from Waterford, yeah. if, if you're from Mount Sinai, you'd want Paddy Gunner to win, etc. So mm. I'm watching it going, geez, yeah, this is... And it's great drama. You know, it's really, really great drama because I was mentioning the, the five strikers for Thomas's prior, saying, yeah, you'd have confidence in the five of them. Now, truthfully mm. speaking, I didn't know about Evan Duggan, but that he, he was capable of that. But when I was looking at the Paddy Gunner guys, I was thinking, oh, they're in a slight bit. I didn't have the same confidence in them as I had in Thomas's guys. Mm. So it's just it was, it's a great kind of I, I think I have to say a spectacle as a neutral, yeah. And like when, when Stephen O'Keefe pops up and then sticks one and then goes along and says one, it's sure it's, it's great driver, mm. <laughs> super driver. We're going to talk about the intercounty and how teams are shaping up, and also you're going to pick a player to watch for the season coming on the uh, pod, which comes out midweek. But just before we leave things here. I got to ask you about the big news coming out of the weekend, which is something that was speculated about Paul around about Christmas time. I think when it was becoming clear that he was going to go under the knife, but Brian Lowen confirming the Tony Kelly situation after their loss against Cork in the Munster Hurling League yesterday. So he says he's hopeful that Kelly will be fit for the Limerick game because that's obviously marked very clearly in the calendar in April at the start of the Munster Championship is where you'd want to have him back. But realistically, with this ankle injury, with the recovery, we're not going to get to see Tony Kelly in the league for Clare. So the quotes from Brian Lone coming after the game is hopefully said we had an, he had an operation just before the Christmas. Uh, so he's been with the physio. We're hoping, quote, that he'll be right. But these operations, there's a lot of work to be done with the physios and the consultant and that. Uh, there was a window there to get the surgery. It's not ideal obviously but it's what he had to do and we're hopeful that he'll be back for the championship end quote so I don't know how much of a blow is this not to have Tony Kelly for the league or could this be a good thing for Clare where you know, Mark Rogers the far side of the Fitzgibbon maybe becomes the main player in the forward line how much of a blow is it to not have him yeah it's definitely a blow not to have him uh, during the league um, truth be told I'd say if he was fit anyway he wasn't probably going to play all the games and I'd say the same for the likes of John Conlon and that anyway but you'd like to be able to call on him now the only thing I was surprised with when I saw the headline today um, I think the headline referred to Tony Kelly will be lucky to be back for the Munster Championship it was it was kind of I suppose teed up in that way in, in, in one form or another but um, I was very surprised to hear that that's how long it's actually going to be now but when you look at the season as a whole I understand what Brian Lone is saying that it's not ideal but like you know you would take that you'd sacrifice the league if a player has to get um, an operation because we often do see players having to go in for these you know different keyhole operations and different things because mm-hmm. they just have an injury that they can't get rid of during the year so 
it will be tough. Like it, it is an opportunity for other players definitely to step up. Um, you know, certainly Clare do have a lot of lads. Like we, what we did see is that they do have an abundance of forwards there and really good, I suppose, dynamic forwards to call on. But nevertheless, I think the ideal situation is that Brian Lowen would have liked to play Tony Kelly and, you know, maybe three of the games, you know, keep him fresh. And if he did have an injury, the better scenario would be that we definitely know he'd be ready for the Limerick game, but you're just holding him back a small bit and making sure he's, he's fresh and ready to hit the ground. The one thing you don't want for Tony Kelly is that if he isn't right going into this Limerick game, you know, having the problem of do we roll the dice on him and play him, which I don't think anyone would. I don't think there's anything to be gained in the round-robin system of if he's not right for Limerick, you know, if he can actually just separate yourself from going and trying to beat Limerick at that stage and, you know, sit, target that for another day, a monster final or whatever it might be, but just say, right, well, if Tony Kelly isn't right for the first round, we need him for the rest of the games, if that's how fine of a margin it comes down to. But look, it, it will be a loss. There's no doubt. We saw Clare during the during the league last year, you know, there was a few really poor performances. What Clare won from the league anyway is just to perform strongly, you know, get a good few players' games, maybe bring on one or two more players, that's, you know, and anything after that is a bonus. But it'd be great if any of the days you knew you were, you were holding back Mark Rogers or any of these, you know, that you could just drop in Tony Kelly there, give him 40 minutes or something and take him out. So that will be tough for Brian Lowen, no doubt. Um, but I suppose, look, for everybody, we all want to see Tony Kelly playing the full Munster Championship. So hopefully the recovery goes well and he's fit and flying it for Limerick in April. Mm. Um, the thing about it is, well, Skell, I think the uh, the headline writer there has gone for the, ooh, there's this risk or a race to be fit for the first game. Like, yeah. I would take what Lone said as the window for the operation was probably with a consideration about the recovery time too. I appreciate that, you know, not every, not every recovery goes perfectly, <clears throat> but you would think if he made that decision to go just before Christmas and when there was that speculation of him being out for two or three months, Tony Kelly's probably made that decision around the timing with getting back in mind. Yeah, I think every sportsman does the same kind of thing. You know, the, the time is in such a way that they, they can make a good run into a into the first time probably they're needed. I, I say, hey, look at that game and say, I'm not needed really in any Munster League, any National League, etc. I'm needed in the Munster Championship because it's different for the Leinster counties at times whereby one of your main players can nearly afford, potentially, if, if, if things went that way, to miss the first Championship game. In Munster, you're not afforded that opportunity, to be honest, because if you if you lose a game in Munster and lose two, really and truly you're out. So he, you have to kind of prime yourself to to, uh, to hit the ground running. I think what... I, I agree, Paul, in the sense that I don't think even if if, if Kelly was available that he, he'd have seen much action over the next eight or nine weeks because, like, obviously he's a jewel in the Clare crown. He wants to be kept uh, at, at an optimal fitness level, optimal strength level, etc. condition. So they probably might have given him, you know, a game or two max in the league, you know. Yeah. But this will be, I think this in, in in reality, it'll be good for Brian Lowe to see what he has. You know, this Clare team is going to have to operate without him. Uh, he's going to have to find someone to put, to, to, to put, put the shoulder on so that, that's kind of as you said Mark Rogers so, who uh, obviously is young holder of the year had a good year last year probably will assume free taking responsibility see how that goes and you know if Clare do have a good run in the league I can't imagine they're going to take it too seriously like similar to last year but if they do have a good run in the league then sure that that's, that's nothing but positive from, from a Clare player perspective and a management perspective at least you know you're going places now, Lowen did say as well, and this is the headline in some of the other reports from yesterday, so Tony Kelly kind of was one story. The other one was Lowen said, it's now about converting Clare being close 
into silverware now I'm not sure if the league is the priority silverware I would think that trying to get the new Mick Mackey Cup and trying to get their hands on the Lee McCarthy would be what you would want later in the year but yeah. do you think there is that pressure scale this year now for Clare given how close they've gone that they've been able to go toe to toe with the Limerick team who've been so dominant but they've lost out in two All-Ireland semi-finals they've lost narrowly to Limerick in Munster finals that now it's about going that one step more for 2024 I, I don't think so. I, I know so for sure. I think a league will carry very, 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 very little weight in Clare. And if you ask most of the public in Clare, I don't think they care about it. I think a lot of counties, really and truly, in, in Division One, don't really care too much about the league. Lads, they're like if you see, not because it's been belittled, but it's, I hate to use that word because you've seen what Limerick have done. They've sauntered through the league, you know, really haven't been set the world alight, and then just crush everyone in championship. So obviously, we we know where the, where the real race has to be ran. Um, but from a Clare perspective. They have they've been within touching distance, you know. They've 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 been almost there, but not there. And there's been a story behind why they haven't got there every time. You know what I mean? Whether it be the Munster Championship for whether it be refereeing reasons or even the Ireland Championship with John Connell, you know, etc. You're like saying, right now it's time that you have to do something. And like I think the public are obviously behind Brian Lohan. That's obvious. Uh, the county board are obviously behind him. So this year I think is is a massive year because it's only so often you can keep going, going you know, to the well. Yeah. Uh, with a group of players before you have to inject new people and I think we were saying last year at the end of the year that there's kind of there's a good vibe in Clare obviously with the with the minors winning but then minors aren't going to be ready for a couple of years so you have what you have you have what you have maybe with the addition of one or two you know so it's time now that the, the Clare group will say if they're going anywhere I think it has to be this year to be honest Okay, that's where we're going to leave the first of the podcasts for this week. Uh, the Hurling Pod is brought to you by Borgosh Energy. They are the proud sponsors of the Senior Hurling Championship. We're going to be back later in the week. We're going to take a look at the inter-county so far. We've seen some teams go with slightly stronger selections in the pre-season competitions. Some have used basically the second team or underage teams at this stage. You've got the Fitzgibbon right in the middle of it as well. Uh, but the guys are also later in the week going to pick their players to watch and their expectations for the season. So that'll be available to members off theball.com forward slash join or if you're using the off the ball app you can use three of your free listens a month if you want to listen to the guys on our members only podcast if you're on the youtube that'll be available on thursday morning as well lads for now thanks a million sound lads god bless otb's the hurling pod with board gosh energy proud sponsors of the senior hurling championship